Ron and Anian. That coffee cup holder that's right down there by the shifter, do you know what's under that coffee cup holder? The car doctor. The shift control module. You spill a little bit of that coffee with the sugar and the milk down into that shifter, and it gets onto that module. If the shift interlock device continues to work, which will be a miracle unto itself, hopefully it doesn't work its way into the module, and now you need a computer. Computer, destruct sequence 1, code 1, 1A. Verified and correct. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here. Let's get under the hood. And if your engine doesn't start, maybe you want to stick around this hour at 855-560-9900 and talk to me about your automotive problem. That's what this radio show is and has been and always will be about, just getting you to helping you to understand your automobile and uh, what's going on under the hood and uh, deal with it because it's just going to continue to grow and um, I guess get worse, maybe better. depends on your perspective. Uh, it depends if you're the one turning the wrenches or holding the scan tool. Uh, in the coming years as to uh, where this where this industry is going to take us. So, But this radio show is live here Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time out on the network. We are podcasting. You can get out to cardoctorshow.com. And also, if you're using a player, you know, you're using an MP3 device or your phone or your iPad or what have you, and um, you're using a player where it allows you to subscribe, please click the subscribe button. It helps us and uh, helps build the case and the cause and keep us going. And, um, you know, we've been doing this, oh, I don't know, since yesterday, 26 years plus and uh, rolling along. You can also find us out on Facebook, Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We put a couple of videos out there, put a doozy out there this week about the $1,300 Cadillac headlight headlamp assembly. And uh, that's just an example of what we do on a week-to-week basis, just to show you that, you know, what you may know or what you think you may know in terms of dealing with a car, well, it's just, it's, it's just different. It's, you know, the industry is always changing, and it's always going through um, a, a, a metamorphosis on a daily basis. And it's just something that you've got to look at. And I try to take what I'm seeing in the shop, and I'm seeing an awful lot lately that, you know, as always, leaves me scratching my head. But I try to convey that and put that out here on air as I have for all these years before me. Had a 2000, speaking of which, had a 2000 Ford F350 pickup truck in the shop uh, this week. And um, check engine light on. And I hadn't seen this one at this level before. But this just goes to show you, again, technology and what it's doing. And you would never think that, you know, it could be this. It had a 1633 fault code, P1633, which by Ford definition is the cam voltage is low. Cam, K-A-M, keep alive memory voltage is low. The onboard computer, the PCM, the powertrain control module, is looking at system voltage all the time. And if it sees a dip below specified voltage, 12 and a half, so it goes to 12.2 or 11 or 11.5, what have you, on a continuous basis, it sets a 16.33. Now, there's some normal, quote-unquote, reasons why 16.33 will set. Charging system voltage is low. Perhaps dirty connections at the battery. Yeah, you know what? There's a reason why you want to keep your battery cables clean because, you know, computer voltage is very critical in terms of you know, operating the vehicle, and if, if the connections are dirty 
and there's an issue there, that will also cause some erratic codes and set some phony codes and kind of drive the car crazy. Listen, I've seen cars run rich or lean because of dirty battery cable connections. So I'm not saying every car, but it's it's a possibility. That's how strong and how critical voltage is to a car's computer today. And this keep alive memory is how a Ford processor knows that, well, when Tony was driving his truck and he shut it off, this is the last place that it was in terms of fuel trim, and this is how it knows, okay, when I start the truck up, this is where I want to start from and, and keep going forward. And, you know, it's it's got to have track of where it was so that it learns how to properly keep the car running. Ran through some of the obvious things, and the, the hard part with this 1633 was charging system voltage was fine. And... The battery cables were clean. Everything was doing what it was supposed to do. And when I queried the customer and he explained to me it was usually going over railroad tracks, and I'm like, great. So now I'm looking for an intermittent fault voltage-wise going over railroad tracks on a cold on a cold February day in New Jersey. How hard could this be to find? So took my scan tool, plugged it in, went for a ride, and brought up the cam pit and watched it, and it was absolutely correct. As soon as I hit the railroad tracks or a bump or a decent pothole or ripples in the road, you would see the voltage start to fluctuate. Came back to the shop, and I still, in the back of my mind, you know, you always have to start with the source. You've always got to look to see, you know, why go to the end of the diagnostic trail? I want to start at the beginning. In the beginning of Cam Keep Alive Voltages, it's, it's still the battery. And I load tested the battery, and I went through all the drills I could with the battery itself, and the battery kept coming back with flying colors. And I, all right, let's get past that. Let's, let's look beyond that. And the cables were clean because they were just clean. They were spotless. And I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. You know, I, 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 I didn't clean the cables. So if I didn't clean the cables, how come the cables are spotlessly clean? That's kind of interesting. So I thought about it, and I called the customer. He says, yeah, the, he said, this all started about a month ago after I cleaned the battery cables. Aha, now we're getting somewhere. I said, and then what happened? He said, well, the cables were really dirty, and he said, I, I, I've been meaning to get to it, but one thing led to another, and he said, summer became fall, and I went, oh, boy, these are really dirty battery table cables. And fall became winter, and he said, I thought it was time, so I'd clean them, and this way I'm ready for, and I'm saying to myself, what, spring? So I went back and I looked at the battery cables. And, you know, he had cleaned them so well that the ends, the cable, yeah, they were clean. And I started looking at the copper leading up to the cable itself. And that was clean. And I noticed there was a little bit of a bulge in the battery cable under the insulation. And why is that? lumpy like that you know it looks like a swollen like a like a like like an oatmeal blob you know how you're looking for the lumps in the oatmeal and it just you know and it and you're like why is that like that and i took a razor blade and i slit the insulation and this little boop of corrosion popped out bingo that's what i'm looking for the battery cable was so corroded it actually tracked up the copper cable and went under the insulation. And I've seen that. Now, on an older car, we would see that as, 
eventually it got so bad that the car would have a poor cranking condition because there was so much resistance in the cable, it couldn't carry the current to feed the starter to allow it to, you know, get what it needed to, to operate properly. In this case, the corrosion was just bad enough that it had an affected starter operation. Now, my next step, and that's where I was going, was I was going to do a voltage drop test at both ends of the cable to see, you know, did I have what, what kind of continuity, what kind of resistance, what sort of capacitance to carry electrical energy did the cable have? And, and I didn't. I did it visually because the thing about the dirty cables kind of clicked in my head. Put a new battery cable on it. I cleared the codes, went out for a road test, fixed. Check engine light didn't come on, hit the same spot, same railroad tracks, kind of banged it around a little bit with my fist back in the shop, nothing fixed. And, you know, the, the, the repair moral here is always look for the basics. Keep it simple, stupid, right? Like my high school or like my college professor always said, always go for the basics, always go for simple, all right? Of course, whenever he said go for simple, everybody would look at me. I'm not sure what they meant by that in high school, but that's another story. I didn't think I was that simple. So, and that's the repair of the week this week. And that's what this radio show is all about because I just want to tell you things that I did in the shop. And I hope that helps you fix a car because that's all I'm trying to do is help you fix a car. And um, I'd like to hear your response. If you've got any comments, questions, by all means, send, send your emails, ron at cardoctorshow.com. Get out to Facebook, leave some comments there. Uh, you know, we want to make this better. We want to know, is this the kind of stuff you want to hear? I hope so. I think so, judging by what you're, um, by what you're writing us now. So, but uh, yeah, fixed it. It was, um, it was a 2000, you know, there's an 18 year old vehicle that, uh, you know, just back to simple again. And everybody was like, oh, it needs this. It needs, I needed a battery cable and the car is fixed. 855-560-9900. I'm running in the car doctor. I'll be right back. Don't go away. And then we'll talk about opening the garage doors and fixing a bunch of cars. Stay tuned. Welcome back. It's going to be me, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, talking to you about your car problems at 855-560-9900. Let's get over and talk to Denise, Pomona, California, 95 Lexus, and some transmission problems. Denise, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Yes, I'm having some problems with my Lexus. Okay. Uh, it doesn't want to go into drive. When you say it doesn't want to go into drive, Denise, you're saying that you can't shift it out of park? No, no, no. It shifts to drive, but it won't go. Okay, so in other words, you put it in drive and the car just, the, the engine revs up and the car doesn't move. Correct. All right. And anybody diagnose this? Anybody look at this? Or is this just stuck no. in the driveway? This is, so this is in the driveway at home and you're not sure which direction to go. Right. So did this, you know, did you park this on Monday and you got out in on Tuesday and it just, that was it? Or, yeah, it was, it was driving just fine. Okay. Then uh, simple questions first, always simple. Uh, look under the uh -huh. vehicle. Is there is there a puddle of transmission fluid? Does it look like it's leaking something? Nope. Okay. If you have you tried pulling it all the way down, this is drive, and then there's probably a couple of more detents for first, second, third, right? Have I you, tried that. You Didn't tried work. that. You put it into then. Does it feel like the shifter is still connected? It has the same amount of drag to it. It doesn't seem like it's stopping. Like if it just goes straight down. 
like as if there's a, sh- a fault in the shifter. That's, I, that's what I'm thinking because it, it's like it doesn't stop. You know how it just like stops each gear? Right. It, now it, it doesn't do that. Right. Now it just kind of freewheels? Right. It sounds like the shifter, and there should be a cable in 95. It sounds like the shifter right. cable itself became disconnected. And it's, um, it's as simple well, as I kind of took everything apart okay. <laughs> where the shifter goes. Right. But I'm not, I don't understand how, it, where it comes apart at. Well, but there's, you know, don't worry about the end in the car. I'm thinking it fell apart out under the hood. Oh. Ah. Try this. You want to try an experiment? Sure. Put the parking brake on. Okay. Okay. Turn the key on and shift it into what you think is reverse. Okay. See if the backup lights are on. Because I think in okay. nine, I think in ninety five, the reverse light switch was out on the transmission. So if you don't physically move the lever on the trans to reverse, in theory, and I'm this is theoretical. This is theoretical now. If 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 the if the reverse switch is on the trans and you're not moving the shift lever on the trans because the cable's broken or disconnected. The reverse lights won't go on. Oh, okay. I could try that. Okay. If the reverse lights if the reverse lights go on, then I'd tell you to have somebody watching under the hood. You'll have to find the cable, which will be over on the driver's side. Okay. It should be you probably have to take off half a dozen plastic covers because Lexus loves to cover up their engines. They're afraid people are going to see them. Um, right. You know, I'm 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 thinking the person that designed it has just got an uncle in the plastic cover business. And look to see the shift lever, and as you move it, you should be able to see that lever end of the trans, the the shift pawl, P-A-W-L, move along with, you know, drive, reverse, neutral, etc. So, Because um, it's not that. going reverse either. Right. It's It sounds like the shift cable came disconnected, and I bet you the backup lights don't work. And that's not, and, and also I should point out, that's not an absolution, Denise. I'd have to really look and see where the switch is, but I don't think they'd moved. See, if they've moved the reverse switch under the shifter assembly, and I don't think they did in 95. I don't think that happened until the early 2000s is when they started moving those things out from under the engine compartment because they wanted to get them out of the engine compartment because of, you know, vibration, noise, heat, dirt. You know, it was, it was a safer environment under the console. Well, there's a, oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say it's a safer environment under the console until they figured out people would put coffee cups there and ruin computers. But, uh, you know, oh. that's, so I think in 95 it's still a, a, a basically that, that, that reverse light function is part of the reverse neutral safety switch out on the trans, and you'll see the lights light up. So I've got a feeling you're not going to see reverse lights, provided they're working, you know, the bulbs were working, et cetera, prior to this, and that, um, you know, you're going to find out that the shift cable came somehow disconnected or something's wrong with the shifter mechanism on the transmission end of the vehicle. Oh, and how about there's a box where the shift gear and where the gear shift is. Right. It says shift control button. Right. That's the override. That's the over. You're, 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 you're seeing the shift override button so you can shift it out of gear without it being, without the ignition switch being on in case the vehicle had a dead battery or you needed to shift it into neutral to push it or, or move it or something. Right, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at the shift no, override button. No, no, it's button. a box. It's a box connected to the to the gear shift. It says shift control. I think like you're a, maybe like a sensor or something. Or oh, something maybe like that. maybe you're seeing the shift control module. That's it. Okay. 
All right, maybe you're saying, yeah, but you should still. That's for the electronics. For the that's that's the sh- okay. So that's the shift module to tell the PCM, hey, Denise, put it into reverse. Denise, put it into drive. And now oh. it, it can, you know, that's that's a computer by itself. So don't, you know, just be careful around that. But like I said, short of the reverse light trick, just looking to see if the trans is if the shifter is actually moving. If it has no okay. um, tactile touch, you know, if it's got no drag to it, it sounds like the shift cable at the transmission end has become disconnected. I've seen that before. And, and if it's disconnected, you could just connect it back, or do you have to put a whole new one? Or how? Does um, it depends. If it became disconnected, there's usually a reason. You know, one of a couple. Either somebody's playing games with you. All right. And I always, I always think about that. I see an awful lot of weird things with cars. You know, uh-huh. somebody's playing games with you. The cable's broken somewhere between point A and B, or it popped off the end of the shifter cable stub on the other side because something wasn't properly reassembled when the last time somebody repaired something, or the park mechanism inside the trans has an issue and the point of weakest link, and bang, it popped the cable off the end of the stub. Oh, yeah, because they just, they just did the um, the axle thing. Would that, is that by where that is? Yeah, that's kind of in that general area. You're, you're, yeah, that, that's you're, probably what happened. You're under the hood. But I would, I would make somebody aware. I would at least, you know, I would at least go and look and see. Does this thing have reverse lights? And if not, I wouldn't touch anything else. I'd get a repair shop okay. to look at it. Uh, you know, this is a case where, and I'm going to get on my soapbox for two seconds. Is that okay? Can I do that? In that, sure. in, in that, you know, the, the the shop that did the axle. Do you trust them and like them? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, listen, I've had people say to me, no, I don't trust them. And I'm I'm just, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, why are you taking your car there? If you trust them and, you know, you have a connection with them that you think they'll respect what you're saying, go back and say, listen, you, you recently did this axle. Now I've got this problem. Can you take the car and look at it? And you should get a straight answer. And that's my point. Okay. All right. But try the reverse light yeah. thing. That might help get you some answers today until Monday when you can get them to take a look at it. All righty. Okay. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome, Denise. Good luck to you. Um, I know it's a it's a weird question. I could feel the air change between Denise and I when I asked her that question, but it's just, you know what? I've had people say it, and I don't trust them, but they give me a good price. Or, no, I don't trust the repair shop, but they're local. No, I don't trust the repair shop, but, you know, they're always so busy. They must be good. Listen, you got to like the shop. You got to trust the shop. You got to think they're fair. I mean, you know, pick a mechanic the way you pick a doctor. All right? You better. All right? They're like anybody else. You've got to have that connection. Otherwise, you're just not going to get the service you're looking for, and you're always going to be wondering, hey, am I really getting what I'm paying for? 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. the car doctor, 855-560-9900. Tom Ray, stop dancing, please. I'm getting sick. Let's go over and talk to Dick from Bangor, Maine, 04 Chevy Silverado. Thanks, Tom. And uh, we'll see what's going on here. Yes, sir. How can I help? Hi. Yes, sir. Well, it's hard to hear you. Hey, um, I took it into the shop the beginning of um, December. Okay. A little shop nearby, nice people. And uh, ABS light was on all the time. Right. Uh, told them to give me a buzz and let me know what was going on. They said I needed a new uh, motor assembly on top of the um, 
control valve, the, the hydraulic control assembly. The hydraulic control that all the lines go into underneath my passenger seat on the chassis. Okay. And I said, well, all right, how, how much about? And I told him to go ahead. Right. It was, uh, anyway, it was expensive, right, Dick? Huh? It was expensive, right? The, the You're right. It was $400. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they put it on. I, I went out. And they called me up and said it's all ready. I gave them plenty of time to do it. Didn't push them. And uh, went back and got it a few days later and uh, got into it, turned the key on, and uh, bang, ABS light is on, you know, and it did not go off. So I shut it off, and I went in, and I told them, and they, they were busy right out to their ears. And I says, well, I'll bring it back next week. And they wanted to look at it right. I said, no, look at it next week. You're right out straight now, right? Easy going with them. I uh, brought it back and uh, left it, and they took it uh, took it for a ride. And, yes, the ABS light was on. And uh, what they did is they gave it a computer bleed in the brake system. Okay. No, no, I I didn't know what a computer bleed was. But well, what they're don't. what what they're what they're saying is so, the ABS controller in this truck has two sides. There's a hydraulic side, the side with the fluid and the brake lines going into it and the control valves, yes. and yep. then the brain side, the electronic side, the piece that controls those valves and actually makes the ABS work. So okay. what they're saying is. They bled, and if I if I understand you correctly, they replaced the electronic side? Correct. Okay, so they replaced the electronic side. So then they went in, and I guess whatever fault code they found, they decided to do an electronic bleed. So what that means is, you know, back in the old days when dirt was invented and the car doctor was young, we used to bleed cars by pumping the brake pedal and opening the, yep. the caliper bleeder or the wheel cylinder bleeder and purging the air. Now you do that with a computer. You're, you're purging oh. air from the system using a, a, a scan tool to control the electronic brain that they replaced to get okay. the air out. Uh, the, the question I've got here, and I'm just I'm just the attending physician on the outside looking in, is why are they doing why are they doing a bleed for something that has a I'm going to assume a good brake pedal? Yes. And you know this was you're driving along and the light came on. And I'm kind of already thinking in my mind, and I've been thinking this since you told me it was a $400 repair, that they probably did not use an original equipment electronic controller from GM, or did they? Uh, it sounds I, awful. I, it I, sounds I, awful cheap. Is yeah. Well, the the story goes on. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> oh boy. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, in driving at home, after they did the electronic bleed and so forth and so on. All of a sudden, my ABS function is actuating when I step on the brakes on dry ground. And it continues to do that all the time to this day, to today. Uh, today, I was out in it and uh, took it uh, up the corner and stopped, and the ABS thing comes on. And then I get a little music out of the dashboard, and my um, ABS light comes on, and my brake warning light comes on. And the display flashes up, get brake service soon, or, or something to that effect. Right. But uh, in talking with this guy, a nice guy and everything, he says they all do that. Well, <laughs> you know that. They all, thing. yeah, they all, they do, all that. do that. They all do that when they're they all do that when they're broken, but <laughs> yeah. they don't do that by design. Uh, you know, how long have you been going to this guy as a mechanic, Dick? Oh, geez, for 
for about a year. Okay, that long, and, huh? But now I, I, I go further, and he came up with the final final fix: is you've got to put new hubs in it with the with the brake lines that go up into the system and so forth, with the electronic hookups to go up. I got to put new hubs in it. Okay. And and the new hubs are 150 bucks a piece. All right. Now, I don't mind putting the new hubs in, but I, I'm looking for a second opinion. Okay. So, let's 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 start the conversation here. The most common fault for Chevy trucks, GM vehicles of this vintage, this yes. era, were problems with the ABS sensor and rust inside the hubs. Just like he's ABS talking about. ABS sensor being... Right, the, the wheel speed sensor inside the hubs. Uh, okay, inside the hub. Right. Yeah, okay. So so what would happen is, and let me describe it, and you tell me if this is how you were getting this ABS sensation. It wasn't the ABS sensation. You were driving along at 35 miles an hour, and you'd step on the brake, and the brake pedal felt normal until... You got going less than ten miles an hour as you were approaching. You're exactly this. right. Okay. You're exactly right. right. So, so this is a sensor issue. All right. A uh, sensor issue. Right. It's what's happening is, and it's going to be one or the other. I rarely see it as both. All right. I rarely see it that both fail together. I'm not saying it's impossible. But what's happening is, if we were to look at this on a on a scope to look at the signal that the sensors were putting out. You know, we would see what the computer's seeing, and what the computer's seeing is one of the sensors, the signal is different from left to right or front to back. It can be one of two ways, one of three ways, and it thinks that because there is a different signal, it assumes that Dick's truck is on a patch of ice and it's one wheel it has locked up, okay, because that's what ABS is doing. It's trying to prevent wheel lockup. It pulses the brake pedal. Right, right. Through, right. through that mechanical control assembly by the electronic brain that you paid to replace, and it it starts to pulse the brake in hopes of releasing the wheel and just stopping it so that you don't continue to slide on the ice. That's what ABS is all about, anti-lock yeah, right. brakes. All right? My concern becomes, how did we go from you need this to this? <laughs> and that's the part that's got right, me scratching right. my... Again, can it happen? Dick, I've been in weirder situations in my shop, and I was the attending physician, and I saw it happen and get weird like that. So I'm not saying the guy's wrong. I'm just saying, you know, there's got to be a warm, fuzzy feeling here of of what's going on. And as long as you feel comfortable with it, then, yes, I would concur with this diagnosis. You know, I, I, I always say this, you know what, fixing cars is like being married. It's, you, you never judge the relationship by when things are going good. Hey, when you were on your honeymoon, life was grand, right? You, right. you were married two weeks, 10 years, 20 years, you know, 40 years, whatever. Gee whiz, sometimes sometimes you needed to do an engine overhaul, and uh, other times it was like, wow, should I trade it in? Um, you know, but uh, like most people, I've kind of subscribed to the theory that, you know, Cars and women are both alike. It's cheaper to keep her. Um, so, uh, and I can say that because she's not around this weekend, um, and she'll never hear this podcast. Will you, honey? Whoops. So, but Tony, uh, uh, well, yes. Well, now we get back to today. Exactly. Well, uh, so, I'm sorry, Dick. What was the question? We get back to sensors. Yeah. Um, the, the sensor, I, I, 
understand. Is that the piece of wire that goes down in and, and right. senses the turn underneath? Right. And what happens is, what happens is where that sensor is mounted, it's mounted. Yes. It's mounted to a flange, and that yes. that flange gets rusty. So. The, the the way the signal gets generated, think of a pencil eraser and hold that pencil eraser a quarter of an inch from your desktop, but okay. it's actually closer. It's actually a sixteenth of an inch. Maybe it's yeah. even closer than yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But you've got two pencils with two erasers a sixteenth of an inch away from your desktop. As the rust builds up under the mounting flange, that rust causes the sensor to lift. So the pencil okay. on the left is a sixteenth of an inch, but the pencil on the right is an eighth of an inch. So oh, okay. the, 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 the piece that the pencil or the sensor is pointed at is the tone ring, is the, is the signal generator. Yeah. So it sees a weaker signal on the left side or the right side than it does on the left side. It assumes because of that change, the right wheel's locking up. Now, real quick, and then i got to go, the argument becomes, do you change one or both? This truck probably has 100,000 miles or more on it. No, sir, 40,000. 40,000. Uh, what does yeah. the what does the undercarriage look like living up there in Maine? Oh, rotten. Yeah. So you know what? You do them both, and you get it over with. Do them both. Put, the, both. Whole Put the whole and everything yeah, on. Yeah, and get it over with. All right, sir. Front, just the fronts, not the back. Well, if he says it's the front, then the fronts is where you got to start. But okay. he's he's on the right All path. Right. All right. You got any questions? You know where to find me. I do. Thank you. You're, Appreciate it. You're very welcome, sir. You take yes, good sir. care. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I'm coming right back. Don't go away. Back. Why don't you the car doctor? Let's real quick over to Brooke in Taunton, Mass. I guess that is 05 Mazda Tribute. Brooke, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hi, I had a, um, a reading done on my truck, and it told me that I had a bad sensor. It was okay. um, B2, uh, Bank 2, Sensor 1. All right, so it's the upstream O2 on, on Bank 2. Go ahead. Right, I had changed it, and All then right. it started misfiring. I looked for um, any kind of vacuum leak, I couldn't find any. So I had another reading done on it, and it said it's um, running lean, and now bank two sensor two is gone. Okay, so let's back up. We've got to go back to the point of original repair. The sensor that you put in, my first concern would be, is it the right one? Because just because it screws in and plugs in doesn't mean right. it, doesn't mean it's the right one. So I would verify the part. Also, where did you get the piece? Just because it's new doesn't mean it's good. New means never, ever worked in my world. So I would just want to know if you looked at this. Do you have the ability with a scan tool, Brooke? Or you, since you're, it sounds like you're working on this yourself, or is this a repair shop um, doing it and you're taking the information from them? I'm kinda, I kind of got the information, so I'm having someone work on it for me. Okay. But I also tried to, since I looked it up online, and it said look for, like, a vacuum leak and stuff. So I looked, and I didn't see anything. And okay. like you said, I'm wondering if it was the right pop they gave me. Because okay. as soon as I got that put in is when it all started misfiring. Right. And so I'm going to come back to that. Do you remember um, remember high school algebra? Yep. Okay. Remember when they tried teaching us those X, Y axis things with the zero in the middle, and we said, what the heck are we going to use this for? 
I, I did the same thing. I said, this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. I'll never use it. And then I became a mechanic, and I worked on cars. And then 25 years later, now I use it all the time. So zero on the XY axis is a balanced fuel mixture. All right? Mm-hmm. And as, as Mr. Monica said, he goes, and when the integers count up, we're adding numbers. Yeah, no kidding. So when we come off a of zero and when it goes plus one, plus two, plus three, we're adding fuel. That's fuel enrichment, all right? When we're going to the left of the zero, minus, we're taking fuel away because the vehicle's running too rich, all right? If your friend has a scan tool, tell him to go look at fuel trim, all right? Think of that XY axis in the zero, all right? He's going to see two values, all right, and hopefully he's using an OBD2 scan tool, simple technology. We don't need manufacturer-specific for this, all right? We want to use a simple scan tool. Go look at fuel trim. Bank one is, you know, the cylinder where cylinder number one is. Bank two is the others, all right? We want to look at fuel trims. Fuel trims should be fairly even bank to bank. If they're not something's driving one or the other lean or rich. Think of that X, Y axis and the zero again, okay? Mm-hmm. Zero fuel trim is what you're going to see live now in the moment. Long-term fuel trim is what you're looking at as history. We're not so concerned with history. That's where it's been. We want to know where it's going. We want to look at short-term, all right? See where short-term okay. fuel trim is. And then also go look at the O2 sensors. If Since the vehicle has Probably two upstream, two downstream, we can start yeah, to... four. Yeah, there's four. Okay. So we want to look at the two upstream sensors. They should be relatively close to each other. All right? They are. And then we want to look at fuel trim and see where fuel trim is. And what does fuel trim look like bank to bank? And then we can have a bigger conversation next week. Okay, and there's one other thing. All right, well, I'll quick. tell you what. T- before you give me that thought, let me pull over and take this pause, or I'm going to get yelled at, and I hate getting yelled at. Um, Tom will get upset. So stay right where you are, Brooke. I'm running Andy and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Why don't the car doctor? Let's real quick get over to Brooke again. Brooke, we're still here. What was your last question? My last question is, um, it was reading um, number one spark plug was misfiring. Okay. Is that because of the O2 sensor was wrong that they gave me? No, it no shouldn't. Good. A misfire is a misfire. A stutter is a stutter. The only way the only way that the O2 could be having an effect on misfire, that from my experience, from my seat, is that if it's really driving it that lean, a lean misfire, yes. But there you would be looking at that XY axis, remember the zero thing again, and you'd be seeing fuel trim, you know, plus 40%. It's trying to add so much fuel. And in that case, why only one cylinder and not the others? That that doesn't make any sense. So why don't you do this? Why don't you get a magic marker, mark the top of the coil. This is a coil-on-plug vehicle, I believe, right? Mark the coil, swap number one coil with number three. 
and and okay. and see where's the misfire go. Does the misfire move with the coil? Does the misfire stay with the cylinder? Move the spark plug to a different cylinder than you move the coil to. Start moving things around. Mark it and write it down so you don't get confused and see where does the misfire go. If it stays on one, you got a problem on one. If it stays on two, where the plug is, it's the plug. If it goes to three, it's where the coil is. Simple enough. Okay. All right? Okay. And then after you do those other things, call me back next week and let me know what happens. I will. Thank you. You're very welcome. Take good care, and thanks for the call. Jason in Jacksonville, Florida. I got a minute. What's going on, babe? Hey, yeah, I just got a question about the uh, scan tools. And I was looking at them, and there's there's so many different ones on the market, and they're they're really expensive. And the thing I notice is that, I mean, they're like little computers, but the thing is we all carry smartphones in our pocket, which are computers. Why is it necessary to buy the whole tool when you can't just get an adapter or software? The the easy answer is if you're looking for something for verification, hey, I want to see what the code is or I want to see did the mechanic, did the, did the sensor readings match what he's saying, verification, a smartphone will work. Absolutely. All right. It's a great app and there's a bunch of ways to do it. But for diagnostic purposes, the smartphone thing is difficult, especially if you're looking for any kind of speed, if you're analyzing more than just a few PIDs. And I think that's the basis on how I make my decision. More to go, more to talk next week. I'm running Any the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless.